Hey there, my name is Lockie and this is the Coast Watch Football Podcast, the home for Australian football fan content. And we are back for the first episode in quite a while. It's been a few months and I'm going to explain where I've been, what's going on and also where Coast Watch Football is headed in the future. But uh, so glad you guys have clicked on this episode to tune in. Very excited to do these podcast episodes, which are a bit more, I view as more of like a chiller sort of sit down chat, very casual and uh, a little bit of a chance to explain that behind the scenes side of things. Um, especially what we're doing here with the content at Coast Watch Football. Overall, the mantra, of course, as it always has been, to promote Australian football, promote the A-Leagues, and uh, celebrate our passion for football, the round ball game here in Australia. In this episode, it's going to be a big one, man. We're going to be talking about the Oli Roos recent Asian Cup campaign, uh, some upcoming Matildas friendlies, a recap of the A-League men's transfers, uh, the Australia Cup, the, 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 the final 32 places are filling up in the Australia Cup. Looking forward uh, for that competition to get underway. And at the end, I'm going to have a bit of an interesting Socceroos debate. So make sure you stick around to the end. I'm going to talk about the Socceroos and potentially, you know, how it's looking with the World Cup. You know, is there a chance for the Socceroos to get through? Uh, so make sure you stick around uh, to the end for that one. But um, a little bit of an update in terms of what's been going on. So, well, a brief history, perhaps this is your first time tuning in, but a brief history of Coast Watch Football Wait, right, wind the back, wind the clock back to to December 2020. Um, I started this podcast, and and a little bit about me, just briefly. My name's Lockie. I'm 26. I've been a football fan my entire life, based here on the central coast of New South Wales, Australia. And uh, yeah, so December 2020 started this podcast, Coast Watch Football, and it was just a podcast at the time. I didn't have a YouTube channel, all these other things going on, but started this podcast as an avenue for me to rant. My feelings are about specific, specifically about my team, Central Coast Mariners. Covered a little bit of uh, just general A-League stuff as well. Um, and, and, you know, within the past year and a half or so, it's expanded into so much more than I like ever expected. And um, just the, the number of people that have tuned in has, has really blown me away, which has been um, really, really cool. So, again, I appreciate all you guys uh, tuning in and checking out the content, where you check out, whether you check out the YouTube videos and stuff. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, YouTube was the main thing that we sort of expanded into uh, within the past, you know, sort of seven, eight, nine months now, uh, been getting into the YouTube channel. And that's sort of been the main hub for Coast Watch Football. And that was actually partly the reason why the podcast sort of went on pause for a bit there, because I found that creating YouTube videos felt a little bit more natural for me as a solo creator. And, uh, you know, we're doing stuff like live watch-alongs there, uh, which, which have been a lot of fun, live watch-alongs for some soccer stuff, for a lot of A-League stuff as well, and just sort of general A-League content. It's been really, really fun to do on YouTube. Um, and the podcast I wanted to, wanted to sort of put on, put on pause because I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted the podcast to be. And I feel like now is the right time to return because I've got a r- much more clearer vision. And I sort of said it at the top, which I think sums it up nicely. This is Australian football fan content. And, and we need more of this, man. We need more of the fans, like at the fan level, making more content, engaging the audience, you know, starting to, the discussions with each other. Um, because, you know, there's, we've got people at sort of the high up level, obviously working, you know, at the A-Leagues and, and working, you know, at Football Australia, the journalists, you know, like Channel 10 and, and what have you, like the big, you know, news newspapers and whatever. But uh, we needed more of these sort of solo independent creators, you know, creating some noise at, I guess, the grassroots level, if you want to call it that. And that there's, you know, I'm not the only one. There's a whole bunch of them out there. And there's and the numbers are growing too. Um, it's, you know, I've even received messages of people saying like, oh, you know, I, I've started up something because of you, you know, started up a podcast, started up a YouTube channel, even just like an Instagram page because of you. And that's what we need, I think, to promote our g- game, utilize the wonderful thing <laughs> that is the internet to engage the audience 
get discussions going, create some passion off the field. It's, 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 you know, it's clearly not working, just like pushing, pushing, pushing the on-field stuff. You know, attendances are going down. We have to create some meaning. We have to create some narrative. We have to create some more passion. And uh, ultimately, it starts with us, the fans. I, I truly believe that. Uh, at the end of the day, the fans are, you know, arguably the biggest part of, 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 uh, of football. So, Let's, uh, let's jump into the episode, and I want to give you a bit of an idea of what the podcast is going to look like uh, shifting forward. We're going to have new episodes every single Tuesday, which was the same day we had it before. So every single Tuesday, um, r- episodes you know ranging roughly between 30 minutes to 45 minutes, and it's going to be available on all podcast platforms. So that includes, includes Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Shout out to you for listening on Google Podcasts. I'm not sure if I know anyone that uses Google Podcasts, but I'm sure there's a couple of you right now. Listen on Google Podcasts. Good on you. Good on you for, for choosing Google Podcasts. Um, but yeah, basically, we're going to be covering everything from the A-League men's, A-League women's competitions, uh, the Australia Cup, of course, Asian Champions League for the A-League teams that are involved, and of course, covering the national teams, which especially this year has been very exciting. We're obviously now with the Socceroos qualifying for the World Cup last week, uh, Socceroos, Matildas, Roos, just all the national teams, man. So I, I basically, that sort of sums it up, I guess. I wanted this podcast to be your one-stop shop. Uh, I, was, I, was think, I was thinking, what would I like to do? You know, what would I want to listen to? It'd be great if there was one podcast where it's just, you know, fan discussion, fan chat around all of the Australian football topics. So if you're an Australian football fan, if you're a supporter of an A-League club, or even just the Socceroos or what have you, um, this is the podcast for you. And we're also going to be talking about a little bit about uh, some you know, major overseas football news. I know there's a massive Premier League audience in, in, uh, in Australia. We're not going to be doing too much of that here. It's going to be very much focused on Australian football. But again, major news, we will be covering it. Um, and of course, the Premier League season isn't too far away. That gets underway in a month or so, a couple months now. Um, but that's very exciting. A lot going on. Um, let's jump into our first topic. We're going to talk about the Oli Roos at the AFC Under-23 Cup. The Oli Roos, look, overall, I thought we had a really, really solid campaign um, and unfortunately crashed out at the end. Let's run through the, the results right now. Group stage. Group stage looked very good for the under-23 lads. 2-0 win against Kuwait. Had the one-all draw against Iraq. And, of course, that controversial red card. Not the only, only controversial red card. Uh, one all in that game. But the third game ended 1-0 to Australia over Jordan. Another red card in that game. Heading into the quarterfinals, I think we expected Aussies to make it to the knockout stage quarterfinals. Uh, relatively easy 1-0 win against Turkmenistan. Turkmenistan defended valiantly, but we were certainly dominating that game. And then the semi-final is where it all sort of fell apart. And we went down 2-0 to Saudi Arabia. Another controversial red card to Jay Rich Bagaloo. And, uh, and then the third place game, I mean, just rubbed salt into the wounds, a 3-0 loss uh, to Japan. Of course, we know Japan are a class aside, a powerhouse, if you like, in Asian football. When you look at the campaign, though, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to take the positives out of it. And there are plenty of positives, but there's also some negatives to talk about. Um, but basically, what I want to cover here is that um, the five things that we learned, that Australia learned from the AFC Under-23 Asian Cup. What are the five things that we learned? And uh, number one for me is super simple. Australia's future is bright. We saw plenty of promising players, you know, really perform well at this cup and a level of togetherness that I think that Trevor Morgan did well to, you know, these guys don't play together that often. You know, these guys playing around the world, across the A-League, you know, all over the planet, basically. Trevor Morgan brings them into camp 
um, gets them to gel together. And we saw from some of the goal celebrations, even just you know little things like that, goal celebrations. I mean, I'm really interested to see sort of you know how these players are interacting, and you get the sense there's a really good uh, vibe in the group. Um, but overall, knowing that this is sort of the next generation of Socceroos, I know there's been a lot of you know, talk about, you know, we're not, it was sort of struggling at the moment in terms of the quality of national team players. I think there's a lot of players in that current squad who have the potential to, you know, not just be playing, at, you know, for the senior national team, but at club level to be playing at a really, really high level. There's plenty of potential there. So many players, the future is bright for Australian uh, football. Uh, the second point is that Asian teams are improving and well and truly they are improving. Well, I don't know if I'd say improving, but it was just, I guess, a bit of a reality check at times. We were really challenged. For much of the group stage, I thought we had it under control, you know, only conceded one goal, looking pretty good, looking pretty good. But, you know, Turkmenistan, as I mentioned earlier, made it difficult for Australia in that game, defended really, really well. You know, it, it took a second half goal to break down that defense. And when you looked at the games against Saudi Arabia, Japan, sort of two of that gets the bigger names in Asian football. I mean, they. I think at the end of the day, they well and truly outclassed us. I know we were down a man against Saudi Arabia, and yes, that absolutely sort of shifted the the the, the context of the game, if you like. But there's a clear, you know, we can't just assume that Australia are going to be, you know, going into these tournaments, winning these tournaments, favourites to win these tournaments. We, we're not. We're not. We're absolutely, we're one of the challenges. I would say maybe just behind now. It goes to show that, you know, uh, you know, and it doesn't go to contradict my previous point. There's still plenty, plenty of positives. But on a team level, on a team aspect, there is a, there is a clear, I don't want to say there's a massive gap, but there is a margin, you know, a level between uh, Australia and maybe just those top teams at the Asian level. Uh, my third point, and uh, I wanted to bring up this one. I'm a big, uh, I'm a big fan of the A-Leagues. Of course, you guys know that if you're a regular listener. Um, the third point is the A-League is still a great environment for young players to develop. And I truly believe this, man. And, you know, we think just this past season in the A-League, there's been a number of fantastic young players developing and, you know, stepping up on the big stage. And many of those players got a call up to this Oli squad. I mean, I can't remember, I don't know off the top of my head how many of this squad is Oli, was you know, playing their football in A-League. It'd probably be roughly half, I imagine, right? But it just goes to show, I mean, it's a good place to play your football. We do see a number of young players, uh, as they were in the squad, you know, maybe jumping over to Europe, uh, you know, early as a teenager. But we're seeing, I think it just goes to show that the A-League, for all like for all the crap that it cops, it is, I think, a good, healthy environment for young players to develop. And uh, it's so exciting seeing uh, those young guys tear it up at the A-League level and now doing it uh, on an international stage at the Asian Cup. Uh, my fourth point for one uh, for another lesson that Australia learned at this World Cup is specifically that we need to we need to adapt better. Specifically, this under twenty threes side, we need to learn how to adapt better in situations. And I brought this up because specifically when you look at our last two games, the semi final against Saudi Arabia, the third place matchup against Japan, against Saudi Arabia, we go down one goal and then we lose a man shortly after. Before that, I thought we were dominating the game, even though we were down. We had chances. We were shifting forward. We were playing, I think it was Alu Kowal and, and Cassini Yangi off the left. Those two were charging forward uh, many times in that first half. Uh, Francois hit the woodwork in that first half as well. We were looking good. We can see the goal, quick red card after that, and all of a sudden it's a completely different game. We just didn't have the men didn't have that 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 mentality that it didn't look for a second that we were still in that game it just felt so chaotic it felt like 
that we sort of lost the plot after that red card. It was almost like it because it happened for the third time this tournament that players almost dropped their heads. And we saw a similar thing in the third place match against Japan, especially after that first goal. You, we would just look like we're on the back foot. Yes, I know we created some chances in the second half, but there was a sense there was a sense of fear that you know Japan were just getting in behind so easily, and uh, it was a little bit worrying to see. So you know, looking at how those matches panned out, when you look at maybe the group stage games against some you know no disrespect to the to the nations, but some easier teams. But when we when we come on come 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 up against these more difficult sides. We weren't able to adapt. We weren't able to fight back and stick with them, which is something we see. We saw the Socceroos do lately against the UAE and Peru. We were able to match those sides. We were able to keep that spirit high, keep that mentality in a good place as well. Uh, but it was just a little bit worrying. And, and even against Japan, when we, we could have lost that 4-5-0, man. They were running over us at times. So I think that we just need to learn how to adapt better in those sorts of di- difficult situations, um, especially for especially important for those young players, you know, who are maybe still developing that sort of side of things don't quite have that experience you know what I mean uh, but yes yeah, so fifth point though for me and uh, this is the fun one to talk about there are some specific players I think that are ready for a senior team call up and uh, we're going to talk about them right now and we love to hear yours as well so so feel free to uh, throw some at me as well across the social media comments um, but some players for me that I think are ready for senior team call up for a soccer is call up I don't want to say immediately, but maybe within like the next six months to a year, Jay Rich Bagalu, the defender, what a beast. And he was really calm and composed on the ball. I thought he looked really good. Uh, Lewis Miller. I'm the biggest Lewis Miller fan. Of course, had a fantastic season at St. Coast Mariners. Now heading over to Scotland. I think he could be playing in the Socceroos. I don't know. I don't I don't want to get ahead of myself and say he's ready for he'd be ready for the World Cup. Um, but within the next 12 months, for sure, he could easily slot in there. I imagine he's probably next choice around... I know the soccer is right back to the moment. You know, we're looking at Frank Karacic, Nathaniel Atkinson, Ryan Grant's probably still in that conversation. Um, but I, I imagine Josh Risden is probably there if he's fit. But Lewis Miller has got to be, you know, third, fourth, fifth choice right back for soccer is at the moment. Uh, the other one is is the man that captained the under-23 side of this tournament, Tyrese Francois. I thought he was really, really impressive. He, at, at times in the competition, you know, just just – steadied the pace for the side, controlled things in midfield. For much of the tournament, he was playing alongside Louis Dorigo. I thought they both developed a really nice partnership in defensive midfield there. Tyrese Francois plays his football at Fulham, who just got promoted to the Premier League. You know, I'm not sure how much uh, first-team football Francois is looking at this season. Potentially, maybe he could uh, score a, a move out on loan. But um, very exciting to see Francois, who sort of reminds me of, a, of like a, I guess, an old-school Oli Bazanic. Back in the day when when Bahia was playing at the 2014 World Cup for the Socceroos, sort of a player who's not not the biggest in terms of like physical like stature, but um, very cool and calm on the ball and uh, the, the kind of player you want in midfield uh, conducting the play. Uh, the final one I did want to bring up though is Alu Kowal, and I don't need to talk about that goal. We know about the scorpion kick. What a hit! What a strike! Um, I, I I put out the tweet and I look. It was in the heat of the moment. And I and I will reiterate it here. It was legitimately one of the greatest goals I've ever seen. Seriously, I genuinely believe that. It was one of the greatest goals I've ever seen. Uh, absolute freak goal. Stunning stuff. Ali Kowal. And uh, look, we, we could talk about Ali Kowal. We could talk about Garen Kowal. But these guys, man, we would love to see them playing at the Socceroos, hopefully one day. And I think Alu, who is uh, you know still playing his, he's playing his trade over there in Germany, probably not too far away from Socceroos call-up. Uh, but yeah, if you guys have any more... 
you know, again, throw, throw the social media comments at me. If you've got any more players you'd love to see go to Socceroos call-up, but those are sort of the ones that stuck out for me. Um, coming up next, let's talk about the Matildas friendlies. We've got a couple friendlies coming up uh, against Spain, against Portugal, and excited to announce right now, we are going to be doing live watch-alongs for both matches Live watch longs on YouTube. If you've never tuned into a live watch long, it's uh, it can get pretty chaotic. I get pretty excited watching the team live, um, but the live chat's going. We can chat with like-minded fans, and uh, it's a whole lot of fun. So Sunday, twenty-sixth of June, five thirty a.m. That's Australian Eastern Standard Time, five thirty a.m. That's against Spain, and then Wednesday, June twenty-ninth, six a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time against Portugal. Two. Difficult difficult sides to come up against, man. Two top European sides who are preparing for their Euro 2022 campaign, uh, the women's Euro competition, about to get underway. So this is sort of a, those teams are going to be, you'd imagine, playing a put a pretty strong squad, uh, you know, getting ready for that competition. Um, but we're also, we're also going to now run through the squad for the competition for the Matildas. And there's some fresh names in there. Uh, we've got Lydia Williams, Mackenzie Arnold, uh, Tegan Micah, and goalkeepers, defenders, uh, Angela Beard, who I believe has pulled out of the tournament, um, Charlotte Grant, Winona Heatley, Matilda McNamara, Courtney Nevin, uh, Claire Polkinghorn. Those are our defenders. Uh, when we look at the midfield, a nice mix of sort of experience. And fresh faces. Got Alex Chidiak, Katrina Gorry, Taylor Ray, Amy uh, Sayer, Emily Van Egmond, Claire Wheeler, Tamika Yallop, Mackenzie Hawksby. So a nice mix there in midfield. And then up top, Courtney Vine, Larissa Crummer, Emily Gilnick, Princess Abini Isse, Rachel Lowe, Remy, sorry, Remy, Remy Seamson. And I, I'm, I'm so sorry, Jacinta. I mean, this is her first opportunity to make her Matilda's debut. Very exciting. Um, she does play over in Celtic. Jacinta, I will attempt to pronounce your last name. I apologize if I absolutely butcher it. Jacinta Galabadarachichi. Galabadarachichi, right? Galabadarachichi. No, it's G-L-A. Galabad. Anyway, I'm butchering that. Um, but Jacinta's in the squad too. So look, it's good to see some fresh faces in the squad. Um, of course, it's it's we're looking ahead now. We're playing these already. I know it's a long time away. But with the World Cup coming up next year, hosting it, I, I just want to say how, how excited I am for it, man. Cannot wait for the Women's World Cup next year. Australia, New Zealand hosting. Going to get to some games for, for sure. There's going to be plenty of content uh, from Coastal Football around the Women's World Cup next year. We have to, Australia, man, we have to be favorites to win it. We have to be favorites to win it, dude. It's in our own country. Um, and it's important. Now we start, we start the preparations for that. And I'm excited to see, especially what some of these the, the, the new faces could do in these friendlies. Got some massive a massive test as well. It's not going to be like against a, again a, a, any lower ranked sides. This is the kind of sides you want to be playing to really get some you know proper competitive football uh, in the legs. Um, let's shuffle on now to a bit of an A League men's transfer news recap. And uh, we do the uh, of course every Friday we've been doing it for the last few weeks on YouTube the transfer recap video. Which uh, make sure you check that out if you haven't. But this is again if maybe you don't check out the YouTube stuff. So we're going to go through all the recent A League transfers and also some new ones that we didn't recap in the most recent video some big new ones actually that we're going to talk about as well as i take a sip of water let's jump into the transfers right now first of all central coast mariners have re-signed jason cummings 
Dan Hall, Max Ballard, all in contract extensions uh, to, to the year 2024. Jason Cummings is the big one, man. What a signing. Stormroo, Yaron Sosa have also signed one-year extensions. Perth Glory, who have been building their side out there in Western Australia. Ryan Williams returns to Australia. Of course, born in Perth. He's a Perth lad, 28 years of age. Uh, predominantly sort of, he was playing his football over in England, wasn't he? Uh, but he signs a three-year deal. That's a pretty solid signing for Perth. Uh, they also in the past week signed Giordano Colli uh, for a, a further two years. Brisbane Raw, the big rumor surrounding Brisbane Raw in recent weeks is that they've been linked with Charlie Austin, the former Premier League striker, recently playing his football at QPR in England's second division. He's 33 years of age. And from sources across, you know, Twitter and all that, from from England, I believe Sky Sports was, was I think it was, uh, was breaking the story. Um, he's had conversations with Warren Moon, and I think it's going to happen. And I think he put out a tweet. I can't remember exactly what he said, but you can check out Charlie Austin on Twitter. Yeah, he said something kind of cryptic, um, but it very much hinted that he was preparing for a fresh, a fresh move, something new. Uh, so I, I think we're going to see Charlie Austin playing in the in the A League next season, which is uh, exciting. I think it's exciting. Um, some news regarding Newcastle Jets and Wellington Phoenix. This comes from Aussie Scout on Twitter. If you haven't checked out Aussie Scout on Twitter, he's a pretty seems to be at least a pretty reliable source uh, for transfer news across the tweets. Daniel Pena has been linked uh, with a permanent deal to Kaylee Club Daegu FC. This is, of course, a move that's disappointing for Newcastle fans, but also Sydney FC fans. Uh, Daniel Pena earlier uh, this month was linked to a move to, to the Sky Blue, so it looks like he'll be heading over to Korea. And for Wellington Phoenix, the news from Aussie Scout is that Costa Barbarousis is linked with a return to the New Zealand-based club, a move that I think makes sense. They do need more attackers uh, there in Wellington Phoenix, so Costa potentially heading home. Western Sydney Wanderers, plenty of news. And the big one, Milos Ninkovic. According to RBTV, they talked about it on their podcast this, this past week. Uh, a bunch of other sources have been, you know, whis- there's been whispers everywhere, right? Milos Ninkovic apparently is indeed joining Western Sydney Wanderers, which is just insane, man. Like it's actually happening. I'm going to make a proper video on it and everything when it does officially get announced because I'm sort of waiting and we're holding out. Um, but mate, this is just massive for, for, for Sydney football, for the A-League, man. It's going to be crazy. That's first Sydney derby. Uh, they have confirmed that Western Sydney wants the signing of Oli Bazanic on a two year deal. Uh, disappointing to, as a Mariners fan to see how that one panned out. Oli Bazanic leaving the club to join. Uh, a New South Wales rival, but it's a good pickup for the Wanderers. Jared Carluccio, Nathaniel Blair, Tass... Oh, sorry. I'll talk about Carluccio and Blair first. Carluccio and Blair, two youngsters, have signed extensions. Tass Mordekutis is the one who's been released. Um, I, I think I read somewhere that he's potentially heading over to the United States of America. So a change of scenery for Tass, who's a player who's been inv- involved in the A-League system for a while. Jack Rodwell, um, in recent in the past week, has apparently turned down a transfer offer from Israel hoping to stay in the A-League. Could that be at Wanderers? Could that be somewhere else? Time will tell. But uh, I think again, it's a good thing to see Jack Rodwell, again, another former Premier League player. We want these relatively big names. I'm saying relatively big names sticking around in the, in the A-League. It's awesome. Um, and then, of course, just the other day, Philip Kankar has, uh, we, we sort of already knew about this, but has officially joined Livingston in Scotland. He has left the Wanderers. Um, very much wishing all the best to Phil Kankar. Very... Uh, a lot of potential in his career. Uh, Adelaide United have re-signed Nick Ansell for two seasons. Melbourne City have signed Matt Sutton, the goalkeeper, on a one-year contract extension. And a little bit of movement at MacArthur FC. They've uh, picked up a couple youngsters, 18-year-old midfielders, uh, playing at, uh, at their club in the MPL. Jed Drew, Eddie Caspers, two midfielders. 
have uh, have signed scholarship contracts. Um, and there's also been departures in recent days. Alex Yovanovich, Jordan Much, Tommy Urich, Anthony Golek, and Apostolos Giannou. So some pretty big names, some like senior, like some experienced names there. So MacArthur have a little bit work, little bit of work to do to rebuild the squad. Yeah, of course. Um, um, oh my goodness, I blanked. Uh, what's his name? Dwight York? Wow, I blanked on his name. Dwight York. A bit of work to do in terms of recruitment there down in the southwest of Sydney. And lastly, Ben Collins uh, just the other day uh, re-signed for Champions Western United. So plenty going on in the A-League Men's Transfer, Transfer News. Keep an eye out every Friday on YouTube for a transfer recap video. Uh, but time to talk about the other Australian club competition. It's the Australia Cup. Can't wait for it, dude. It's really exciting. You know, sort of in that time through winter, you're itching for football. And then the Australia Cup comes around. Sometimes it uh, means a regional uh, trip for some A-League club fans. So um, uh, looking forward to it, man. But uh, let's talk about uh, some of the teams that have qualified. And we're talking about specifically uh, the non-A-League teams. We know about the A-League teams that have qualified. Uh, Monaro Panthers have qualified. Oakley Cannons, Green Gully, Heidelberg United, Avondale FC, Bentley Greens have all qualified. Uh, so have Devonport Strikers, Mindel Aces FC, Wollongong United. Wollongong United is a big one because Wollongong United um, from, I believe it's like the sixth the sixth division of Australian football. They're an association association club, which, um, correct me if I'm wrong, is is the first time we're having a club from that level qualify for the Australia Cup. It's massive. Wollongong United. Uh, Sydney United 58 are there as uh, uh, Northwest Sydney Spirit FC and Bonnie Rig White Eagles. There are 10 places left. Those 10 places left to be filled up by teams from uh, northern New South Wales, South Australia, Queensland, and Western Australia. So uh, and those um, games will be played, I believe, in the next week or two. So hopefully very soon, we'll have a bit of an FFA Cup draw coming out, which uh, is going to be very exciting. Um, can't wait to start penciling those dates into our calendars. Um, but here we are, arrived, we have arrived now, and this is the juicy one for me. I've been looking forward to this all episode, man. Uh, I hope you have too. Socceroos. Time to talk about Socceroos. Oh my gosh, dude. Every episode, I'm telling you, we're going to be talking about Socceroos um, and, and and potentially, you know, just a little bit of speculation, just just building the hype for the World Cup as, uh, as I take a sip of water. And, um, and we talk about, I specifically today want to talk about our chances for this World Cup. And how does it look like for Australia in our group? And is there a realistic chance of us going through? Let's first of all talk about the games and, and when they've been scheduled in. Uh, so the first one, Wednesday, it's the 23rd of November, Wednesday morning, 6 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, 6 a.m., a reasonably comfortable time um, if you were compared to the other times. It's certainly not a 3 a.m., but uh, France-Australia is that first game. Massive game. Exactly the same uh, matchup as, as the last World Cup, of course, that first match day. And then on Saturday, the 26th of November, 9 p.m. kickoff. That's much more comfortable for Aussie fans, especially on the east coast of Australia, uh, well, all over the country. Tunisia, we are taking on Tunisia. And I think, rightly so, we're looking at that one as the winnable game. We're looking at the Tunisia match as a winnable game. I think we can get it done. Uh, but again, though, uh, there's plenty of like underdogs in this World Cup that I think uh, could cause upsets um, in terms of making it through the knockout stage and even further. Tunisia could be one of those teams. So we have to watch out for them as well. Um, and then it's Thursday, 2 a.m., Thursday, the 1st of December. We are taking on Denmark. Again, Denmark, I thought, outclassed us in the 2018 World Cup. They're going to be tough to break down too. And 
look, one of the first things I want to bring up is that a lot of people are sort of talking about already the um, the champion's curse. The champion's curse. France, are they going to choke? We've seen it so many times before. Are they going to suffer the same fate? I, I don't think so. Everyone's saying like, everyone reckons they will. And look, I know they haven't had the best form in, in the UEFA Nations League. Um, they're, they're, they're not doing the best at the moment. But they've just got so many class players and such depth as well. I mean, even if they've got main players miss, missing, they've got their second string squad, their third string squad. They've got quality to cover anywhere on the park, France. That's going to be hard, man. Honestly, if, if they still struggle for form up to the World Cup, maybe there's a chance we could snag a draw. And here's the thing. If we get a draw in that first game, it changes the whole context of, of the second and third games against Tunisia and Denmark. If we could snatch a draw, it is absolutely massive. That would be one of the biggest feats. Honestly, just a draw. One of the biggest achievements in Australian football history, in my opinion. France, the champions of the world. Like, come on, man. Come on, man. Like, it's... It, it, what that would mean then is that you look at the Tunisia game, you look at the Denmark game, and all of a sudden it takes off that pressure. You know, if we get a draw against France, we go into the t- Tunisia game high on confidence, could potentially get a win. I think when you look at the teams on paper, I think we're almost level. Honestly, I would say we're almost level with Tunisia. They do have some class players playing at a decent level across Europe, but I reckon we can match them, man. And if we could get the win there, it's massive. Imagine if we start off the campaign with a draw against France, a win against Tunisia. That would be an absolute dream that would uh, put us in a good position against Denmark, who I think, I know we're talking about the champion's curse with France. Denmark's going to be the tricky one, I think, as well. So many class players, so many good players in that Denmark squad. I can't see us beating them. Funnily enough, I can, I can, I almost like our chances against France more so than against, uh, more so than against Denmark. I think maybe the champions curse. You know, I, again, I said I don't know if it'll actually happen. I don't think it'll actually happen, but I, I just get, I get the sense that I can't see us beating Denmark, but I can see us getting a freak result against France. So uh, look, man, so excited for it, so excited for it, and and that's going to be my final question to round out this episode. We're gonna do we're gonna do sort of a bit of like a final question at the end of each episode, and you can answer it on Spotify. So specifically, if you are listening on Spotify, there's a little like question section down below. You might want to, we might need to like scroll down, uh, but in the question there, we're gonna we're gonna ask where will the Socceroos finish in Group D? Where will we finish? First, second, third, or fourth? And just be realistic, man. Be realistic. I, I, to be fair, if I was being realistic, I'd probably say third. I'd probably sneak us into third. Um, but second, man, can we do it? Can we Can we sneak into second? Maybe, dude, imagine the scenes if we finish first. But where do you think Socrates will finish? Make sure you vote, vote in the poll on Spotify. Um, guys, thanks so much for tuning into the return of the Coastwood Football Podcast. It's been a lot of fun sitting down here to chat uh, the, this long-form style. Don't forget, we've got a couple... Uh, got, a, got some videos coming up this week. We've got the transfer recap on Friday. And then this Sunday, 26th of June, 5.30 a.m., we are going live on YouTube for the live watch-along of Matilda's taking on Spain. Can't wait for it, guys. Uh, make sure you subscribe to wherever you're listening to the podcast to make sure you don't miss another episode. We'll be back for another one next Tuesday and every Tuesday from there on. Um, thanks so much for tuning in, guys. My name's Lockie. This is Coastwatch Football. I'll see you in the next one.